Classic, classic. I, de I debated putting that up because it's a little, you know, a girl in a floozy dress. But I'm like, yeah, it's nothing you wouldn't see at a typical Lovis Ordo. That's exactly what you'd see at a Novus Ordo uh, confirmation. <laughs> confirmation. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? Uh, Lizzie, right? <laughs> Lizzie wore something. Similar. Oh, yeah, you're not wrong. The big, con the big controversy. Of Is Lizzie. she still around? Yeah, 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 she is. She's, I've she's, been blocked for so long, I don't even know. She goes on and on about her bipolar disorder and stuff. So she's pretty nice. <laughs> I'm running on. Um, I'm running on. Let's see. I went to bed yesterday at uh, eight o'clock. Then woke up at ten with a headache. Got back to bed at like ten thirty. Woke up at uh, one with a headache. No, no, no. I woke up at uh, twelve with a headache. Then I had to leave for work at one a.m. So since we got back from. Our trip to PA, I've been getting one to two headaches every single day. It's been every night since then. Thank you. Every, every single day at night when I go to bed. Um, you know, if we so, weren't live, this is when I would edit in a cut of Enoch describing how you chain smoked four cigars. Yeah. What <laughs> <laughs> if they're related? Yeah. Well, you. I thought they might have been, but I haven't been smoking cigars, and I'm still getting the headaches. So, but no, they're just seasonal, man. Like I just like I go into these. Uh, I'll get like a two or three week span where I just get them every day and then they'll just go away for a couple weeks. And so I'm just in the midst of one of those, but I went to work at 1am. Uh, I got home at 4pm today. I haven't taken a nap, so I'm a little tired. So you guys will have to forgive my, my, my quickness with my, uh, my jokes tonight. But um, I had, I had an incident at work this week, but Rob, if we play that video, you can't play volume because the guy's vulgar, but for, for anyone that doesn't follow me on Twitter, we had um, so there was there was a, a guy who was intoxicated at five in the morning driving an electric scooter and he crashed into our pickup truck. So it was my, it was my brother driving the pickup truck. So typically, if you call the cops on something like that, you got to wait three hours for the cops to come. So. My brother said, listen, we'll throw you 500 bucks and just let us go, even though it was 100% the guy's fault. Everybody freaked out when I said that. They're like, why would you offer the guy money? Because waiting for the cops for three hours and you have 10 guys on a crew making prevailing wage, union wage in New York, works out to like $700 an hour. So it would it wound up costing 2100 The guy wouldn't take the 500 and he starts demanding 5000 and my brother's like, you're out of your mind, bro. You're drunk. You drove into us. We were parked. The vehicle wasn't even moving. We're going to call the cops now. So they call the cops. While they're waiting, the guy goes into a rampage, starts flipping out, pulls out a knife, starts waving the knife around. One of my other coworkers grabs a shovel, and he's ready to hit him with a shovel. It was, a, <laughs> it was mayhem. This guy, he could so he could have taken 500 and walked away. Instead... He does all this. The cops come. They confiscate the scooter and they confiscate his knife. They don't arrest him, though. So this is another reason you don't call the cops in New York, because they're not going to arrest the guy either way. So the cops tell my brother, they go, uh, yeah, we know this guy. He's harmless. Don't worry about him. My brother's like, Yo, the guy was just waving a knife at us. Like, what are you talking about? The guy's harmless. Nah, he does this all the time, man. Don't worry. He never hurt anybody. That's what they tell us. So we have a little video of the incident of uh of the guy 
So if everybody wants to see, but you can't, yeah, no volume. So the guy's cursing up a storm right now. Now you see my two workers are in the distance. This guy holding a knife in his hand. You see the knife. He's just cursing like a maniac drunk. And my guy, Eskimo, he's the, uh, he's the Jamaican guy in the back. He's got a shovel. He's ready to smack him over the head with a shovel. You know, not that I, uh, agree with new york's laws on the issue but he should have been arrested for concealing that size of a knife anyways just should by that have himself yeah in new york yeah yeah in new york yeah so, in texas we can carry like swords now open carry swords buoy knives all kind of stuff open carry here yeah new york is uh but the thing is if, if a guy's waving a knife at you and you're in an open carry state you could shoot the guy yeah yeah depending but yeah if your life is in danger and the guy swing, I mean, I've seen cops take guys down with a knife. A, a guy can get to you with his knife way quicker than you can get your gun off. Within seven yards, yes. So if he's if he approaches you in a in in an aggressive manner where you think your life is in danger within twenty one feet, I mean, in, in yeah. Texas, stand your ground laws, Florida. I mean, that's I think- what I'm saying. They should honestly be a national stand your ground law. Like 100%. it's just complete common sense. I don't know. I don't, I don't understand why we're in like this type of, it's literally natural law. Like no, it, exactly. It is. And so I'm just saying like, why are we just going to, I mean, it's control. That's the only reason. Well, well most, a lot of States have castle doctrine where yeah. you're allowed to defend your home. New York has a duty to retreat in your home. Even yes. You have a duty to retreat. Okay, so define that. I'm I'm a little bit unfamiliar with that term. So if a guy comes into my home armed, Uh Anthony has to run. I have a duty to retreat. Now, if I I can, I can defend myself. If there's no reasonable path of retreat, then Anthony can defend himself. Now, let's say the guy turns his back on me and I shoot him in the back in my home, and he has a gun. I'm going to prison. Yep. That's ridiculous. Absolutely insane. You know, in Minnesota, they don't call it castle doctrine, but the way the law reads is that if you believe, like if if there's a reasonable belief that someone is about to commit a felony in your home, you can kill them. Yeah. Breaking Uh, entry is a felony. Yeah, but you don't know if the person is armed. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's just wacky the way New York and New Jersey have... Their gun laws, man. It's it crazy. just sounds like they're like New York and New Jersey are definitely like one of those last holdouts because, like, for all the black pillars that you see online who are just kind of complaining that, especially like on all issues of freedom, we're just completely losing everything. Over the last like two decades, but really over the last decade, Second Amendment rights groups have done so much. So many states have adopted very, very pro Second Amendment laws. I mean, just look at the 1980s versus now. Just do like a chart comparison of both, and you'll see yeah. that we're absolutely rocking it, kicking that issue really, really well. And so, but it just sounds like, yeah, it's basically the the West. Got to go into you got to go into Congress, bro. You probably be the best. <laughs> um. So do I have to start leaving messages where I say to you now? <laughs> um, I see somebody said uh, this is their first show in here. Hang on. Let me see. Uh, you guys got to check it and see if you guys got any uh, podcast reviews. Uh, oh, yeah. Check for any podcast reviews, Rob. Um, let's see. Somebody said it's their first time catching us live. Where is it? 
it was at Caleb, the very beginning. Caleb, first time catching you guys live, finally. Okay, Caleb, you have to uh, do a $10 super chat. That's the rule. Um, <laughs> um, we have one new review. One new review. Let's hear it. Okay. It's from Expired, and it says flabbergasted. I'm simply flabbergasted that I listen to these guys. They are uneducated, really don't know anything about anything, have absolutely no connections with anyone of any importance, and in general are dumbfounded on every conceivable front. Hey, I'm even more than a bit suspicious that they may be insane. Give them a listen. It will be time well spent. Five stars. Five stars. I love when we get new reviews, man. That's one of my favorite things we do on this show. So if you guys have absolutely love to see people who just don't know the show just like flipping through random podcasts coming across yours and being so confused like, well do you know how this bit started this bit started yeah. because somebody left a horrific review for us uh-huh. <laughs> like some somebody really left a bad review for us and left two stars do, so. do you remember what it was from what was it what was i i started an argument with somebody on twitter no, right no i think well no it was angela her five head remember no, the first bad review? I'm pretty sure it was from that, right? I think and I those... started an argument with somebody on Twitter and they came just to like, they thought they were going to take Let's a dig look. at us. Go back and find it. It's the first it. review. <laughs> it's like, so they thought they were going to do a take a dig at us. And I'm like, okay, let's 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 run with this. I'm like, everybody leave terrible reviews, but just make sure you leave five stars to bring the average up. Because we would have an impeccable five-star average if it wasn't for this one one star review. <laughs> this idiot left one star. Okay, I gotta go back because they're the first reviews. It's like five thousand five hundred reviews now. Well, sixty-eight. Wow, that's not bad. That's not bad. Okay, so uh from May of last year, May twenty-fifth, uh much to be desired. Anthony is a ghoul. We're not impressed. <laughs> that was it. That that's was one the- star. This whole review. <laughs> oh, oh no! You know what it was? It was the Uvalde. The, the there was that one person that everyone thought was the shooter. You know the. Oh yeah. So the, the the host of this show participated in the doxing of an innocent trans person after the Uvalde school shooting. Okay. The hoax originated on far right wing websites like 4chan and Infowars. It was promoted by white nationalist congressman Paul Gosar. Well, there you go. (laughs) You're right. It was your fault. It was my fault. Of course, it was my fault. (laughs) I always rub people the wrong way. Um, So, yeah. And then um, today I asked on Twitter. uh, I I should have sent you the results of the poll. I'll find it. Yeah. um, I asked, is everyone a child of God? Yes. Was the the two uh, replies were. You could say yes or no, only those who are baptized. Um, and I'm sorry, guys. I'm a little slow today. Let me just see. Of course, you've tweeted 400 times since of course, then. Yes. <laughs> okay. Is every, is every human being a child of God? So, now, What are the results? Of course, because you put the third option in, I have to do math to figure out the percentages. Okay, the here we go. Okay, so no, no, no. Here it is. All right. Uh, so 56% said yes, no. everyone is a child of God. Every no. human being is a child like of I God. Like I said, you can't, that's not the actual result. Give me a second. Because I gave show results, right? Yeah, so 14% is show results, so it's not really. Uh, let's see here. 
Man, so take 200 votes away. Man. I'm flabbergasted. Yeah, flabbergasted that this guy named Anthony looks so based in trad build. <laughs> Rigid Kenny. Uh, the internet. By 65% said yes. Wow, it's even higher. How yeah. many people voted in, in total? There, uh, about fourteen hundred. So it's actually uh, wow. that's that makes it statistically like legitimate. That's like that's yeah. that's basically when they do presidential polls. That's about how many people they poll. Once they once they get to eleven hundred, they figure they can make statistical uh, conclusions so, from. So that. what does it come out to? Sixty what? Sixty five percent say yes. Okay, so- and thirty five percent get it right. All right, so now this is not an easy. As easy as I thought it was. Okay. There is there is a little bit of controversy in this because I texted Father Dave Nix and he said it's not such a simple answer. The Roman catechism isn't one hundred percent like there, there's some ambiguity to it. So there's a couple of different places we can look to to see um why people would even think that. Um so the main one I found is in Acts chapter 17. Uh, verses 27 and 28, right? So let's pull that up. Acts chapter 17, verse 27. So, okay, so I'll start from verse 26. And he made from every nation uh, from every nation of men to live on all the face of the earth, having determined allotted what? periods in the boundaries of their habitation. What chapter so Acts? Uh, Acts chapter 17, verse 27, that they should seek God in the hope that they might feel after him. Yet, oh, wait, no, that's not it. Wait. Oh, wait, do, do I have the wrong... Oh man, that's the wrong one. Oh, here it is. Uh, 29, uh, 28. I'm sorry. So, for in him we live and move and have our being, as even some of your poets have said, for we are indeed his offspring. So, that's all Paul says. Okay. So, he says, being then God's offspring, we ought not to think that the deity is like gold, silver, or stone, a representation by the art and imagination of man. So, my argument with this would be Paul is not actually saying we're all children of God. What he's saying is we're he's all using created it. by God. Yes. We're all created by God and we're in his image and likeness. Therefore you, our image and likeness is God's image and likeness should, should ours is taken from it. So you can't put God in stone and marble and make an idol of him. God is, you know, we are his offspring. So the image should not be of a golden calf. It should not be of a bull. It should not be things like that. Um, he's not saying what people are claiming he's saying, because in reality, we receive divine adoption at baptism. It is through grace that we become children of God and gain an inheritance in the kingdom of heaven. So it's one of the most profound things of Christianity is that what, what, when we make the sign of the cross, what we're saying is God is a family. It's like the most profound mystery of Christianity, that Jesus is God's son, and that through Jesus, we become co-heirs of the inheritance that the Father has for the Son. And that's only through baptism. That is not by nature. Anything yeah. to add? Yeah, no, I fully agree. I Whenever I saw the question the first thing that I came up with in my mind is it just depends on what you mean by a lot of terms and in what context those terms are used. Because when you ask the question, like, are all people children of God? I would say 
aside from the fact that we need to define our terms, I'd say yes in the sense that we're all created by him. So maybe like yes by affiliation, but no by justification and redemption, right? And so on the one hand, like we are all children of God in the sense that we are his creatures made by him because, of course, God is the author and the final cause of man's life. But at the same time, uh, not all man is born again. And so when we look at scripture, right, we see Christ talk and emphasize to Nicodemus in John chapter 3 that a man has to be born again. And that new birth, which takes place at baptism, you see all throughout the New Testament is not just seen as a new birth, but also seen as an adoption. But to be adopted means that you were previously in one camp and now you're in the other camp. One family, now in a new family. And so the question then therefore begs, it's like if man is if all men is just the children of God, then what would be the necessity to be adopted? Like, what would be the point? But then it's like, well, okay, if you're being adopted, whom are you being adopted from? And whom are you mm-hmm. going to? So it's like, okay, the common answer is that like we're being adopted into the into the family of God or right? the mystical body of Christ through baptism. We all get that. But what are we being adopted from? Well, scripture is actually clear. We're actually being adopted from the kingdom of Satan, right? The fallen kingdom of Satan, the fallen, uh, you know, as scripture talks about like in Ephesians chapter two, right? It talks about how like you were dead in your trespasses and sins, right? And then you were also given over as like servants and slaves to follow the prince of the power of the air, right? Which is an, as a term for Lucifer that's used in scripture. But first John chapter three is actually clear because it talks about how everybody who commits sin is the servant of sin, right? And he's linking this to John chapter eight when our Lord's speaking about this, um, but is actually the child of the devil. But those who practice righteousness are the children of God because they have the seed of God, i.e. baptism, sanctifying grace in their soul. And so if they have sanctifying grace in the soul, right? They've been baptized, they're walking the light of faith, right? Then they have, then they are the children of God. But if they are, you know, not baptized, unregenerate, following after the fallen passions of the first father, Adam, then they would, uh, in the spiritual sense, not be the children of God. Although by origin, sure, they would be by being created the children of God in a little sense. You're also at baptism. So if you get adopted, if, if, if I go and adopt a child, that child now receives my name. Right. So when you're being when you're being baptized, you are receiving the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Ghost. You are receiving a new name in baptism. Right. So then in Romans chapter eight, Paul says, uh, for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but have received the spirit of sonship. When we cry, Abba, Father, it is the spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit that we are children of God. It's only those who receive the spirit and you receive the spirit at baptism. That is mm-hmm. when you when you receive the spirit. Mm-hmm. And the Roman catechism from Trent says that baptism is the spiritual regeneration by which we are born children of God. Yeah, exactly. Because it's like I'm looking here uh, at Scholastic Answers comment. By the way, I actually really like Scholastic Answers show as a, as a side, uh, although I'm I don't agree 100% with uh, all of his takes, but overall, I think he actually has a very, very interesting show. Um, But he talks about right here, he says, all men are children of the same common father who is God. And he's quoting Pope Leo XIII, Reverend Navarro. And again, I'd say, of course, you don't disagree with it. I would say like a catechism of Trent and 
Rimmer and Navarum are just looking at it from two different perspectives, you know, mm-hmm. at least the Catechism of Trent's looking at it as the, the process of regeneration, whereas at least in this very brief snippet, I'd have to read the whole context, of course, of what you're quoting, but it sounds like the common father, right, it's referring to the fact that we're all creatures created by God, and because of that, he is our common father in the sense of being our creator. And so, so do you think the people that answered yes to the question had that in mind, or do you think they just have this generic hippie Vatican II style of understanding yeah. Catholicism? That's what I'm I'm wondering because I would say being created in the image and likeness of God is not the same thing as being a child of God. That yeah. you still have an inherent dignity about you before you're baptized because you have are created in the image and likeness of God. It's not like because the animals are also created by God, not in his image and likeness, but they're also created by God, but they're not his children. So there's an inherent dignity of being a human being, being created in his image and likeness that the animals don't have. But I still wouldn't say they are children of God just because they are human beings. No. Yeah. So this would be two technically separate different areas. So it's like on the one hand, um, I would say that, so, to be made in the image and likeness of God, right, means that we have rationality and a free will. That's what it is. So angels are also made in the image and likeness of God. Both of us, right, humans and angels, separate from the animals, um, because they don't have the, that capacity, they don't have a rational soul. When it comes to your original question of how those people were asking it, perhaps it can kind of elaborate a little bit to um, scholastic answers kind of question about, like, is this a controversy or not, or why is this a controversy? Um I would say probably the way that most people on Twitter are probably going to be answering this question, right? Twitter is not a, uh, a bastion of scholastic nuance. And so probably they're going to be looking at it from a more quasi um, un- uh, universalistic tendency of just saying, you know, like, aren't we all like brothers, sisters of uh, in God, you know, kumbaya, let's hug hand, hold hands and kind of go around the fire and everything's fine. That is a very much so a tendency that you do see, in common parlance, right? Not not necessarily in theology, but like in common parlance. Like when you walk, I, I, I was trying, I'll tell you guys a story. I'll give you a brief example. Um, when I was in uh, Kansas, right? Or, or actually Missouri, excuse me, going to see Tim. There was one night, right? I was going, to, I was finally getting to see Tim Flanders in person, right? I was so excited. I've been driving for 15 hours. And then Tim, poor Tim. And then Tim, you got there and he's asleep because it's- Poor Tim, like he was just like, I, I got to go to bed. I got to go to bed. <laughs> I knew it. <laughs> Anyone who knows Tim Flanders know he goes to bed at like, you know, 6, 6 p.m. or something crazy like that. Anyway, so I was, a little, I was a little disappointed. But as I was waiting out, like before I got the message, I was actually waiting outside this hotel. And I was kind of just waiting for him to show up. And this dude, this old man kind of comes up to me. And, you know, kind of like most juvial old men, they're just wanting to talk, you know, to somebody, I guess, that's not another juvial old man. And he... We started, we started talking and then he told me this interesting story about how he was in California in this uh, kind of just like apartment duplex and it caught fire, right? Now this guy's 70 years old, it caught fire and he um, was, was trapped, was completely trapped. And it, that fire ended up killing over 80 people. Like it was a horrible fire. It happened like three or four years ago. And this guy, he, for the first time in his life, he'd never been baptized he was never practicing of any type of religion he got on his knees and just prayed he was just like god i don't know if you're real but if you're if you're real please get me out of here it, it seems so convenient that when you're yeah. that the atheist all of a sudden needs needs god in that moment 
Um, and so, but he actually ended up the fire department came and they got him out. And it was only he and his wife were the only people in this entire apartment complex that made it out wow. alive. It was crazy. Now he went on. And so this dude, he has a, like a fair amount of money. He wasn't like this crazy homeless dude or anything, right? He had gotten a new house in Kentucky. He was kind of going between places, talking to us. And one thing he brought up though, as we were talking to him is that like, he's exploring religion for the first time. And in exploring religion for the first time, you know, he's not going to get the scholastic precision that as a Thomist I would want, but he was very much so talking about, um, you know, we're all children of God, we're all children of God, we're all children of God. But he was talking about this in the context of he was an atheist, though kind of exploring, so kind of agnostic to a degree. His wife is a Jehovah's Witness, right? And then like his, all of his kids were just varying other things. So he's kind of approaching that phrase, we're all children of God through that lens, yeah. Right. And so that's like how your average American is going to be approaching it. It's just kind of what you would call um, uh, an imperfect indifferentism. If you were going to use the precise scholastic term for it, it would be, you know, every religion in some form or fashion is good. And aren't we all kind of children of God? And the problem with this, of course, is it denies the reality that because God is a personal being, he has revealed to mankind a unique means of salvation, a la the Catholic Church. Now, of course, you don't just bash him over the head. Yeah. You know, you must convert. I'll baptize you now against your will. Um, but we just kind of sat with them there. And, you know, Tim was long asleep, but I ended up hanging out with them for like an hour out in the parking lot of a random, you know, motel out in the middle of nowhere. And it was cool because by the end of the conversation, we get him to, I was with a friend, we get him to the place of, recognizing that he should go and check out, you know, the Catholic church, the Latin mass and things like that for the first time. But it was just through sitting with them, getting there, yeah. you know, you walk with that's, that's true. Like walking with people, you know, you don't just bash them over the head, but you, you know, slowly mm. or correct them to the right place. So probably a lot of these people on Twitter, they're in a similar situation where it's just kind of like, maybe they don't believe exactly that thing, but something around that has at least influenced their way of thinking. You know what I'm saying? So that's so, probably so, how they're asking. So even when we with the Catholic church, teaches where we say we are saved by grace through faith by no works like you didn't do anything to earn this grace of no. faith so when you were dead in your sin before you believed anything god still loved you enough so it's not like before you're baptized god doesn't love you he still loves you you exactly. just haven't received divine adoption yet. So mm -hmm. I think <laughs> I think a lot of people think that's what trads are saying, maybe. I don't know. It's not because when you were dead in your sin before you did anything to deserve it, God pours this grace on you and you get this gift of faith. And then the the play between works and faith goes into play. But it's it's really uh that's the big thing that Protestants don't get. It's to them it's you're just saved by by faith and grace and that's it and there's nothing else. it's no you are saved by grace because when you were dead in your sins you did nothing to earn it but god somehow broke through into your heart for you to open up to say okay god if you're real reveal yourself to me and he does that mm -hmm. right so but i would say even it that you didn't do anything to deserve it or earn it but your heart, your heart needs a certain disposition to receive it. Yeah, no. So what it is, is it's like, so in the Catholic sense, actual grace is drawing or kind of wooing the person to accept sanctifying grace 
And you're absolutely right, Anthony, because it's like that initial grace at baptism, we can never, we can never merit, right? That's impossible. We cannot merit. I think that's, it's the heresy of, uh, you know, Pelagianism, also semi-Pelagianism. Um, <laughs> Sean said, I can't even get friends to consider not being rabid anti-Catholics while Nick is getting random homeless men to go to the traditional Latin mass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, St. Dominic mm. right for me, but uh but yeah, no, so it's like you we can't merit that initial justification. But then like after that point, you're right, like we can cooperate, merit in the context of being rewarded, right? Um, God's grace and and ultimately heaven. But the Protestant, I think the problem is that the Protestant, and again, that term is so broad, but Luther doesn't define faith in the same way that the Catholic Church does. So it's like we see faith as like you know, that first theological virtue infused into the mind or into the intellect through baptism that allows us to assent to the truths of faith, not because of their internal rationality, but because of the person who's revealed them. Whereas a Protestant just kind of looks at faith as kind of like a trust, you know, kind of just like trusting, which we would we would say is more closer to hope. And so the problem is, it's like, you know, a, a Protestant is just kind of like kind of hoping out there in Christ's death in the imputed justification sins, whereas we're actually willing to cooperate with that death and let its merits apply to us every day. Um, Blessed Thursday should should be inviting his wife over to listen as well. There's plenty of ladies who enjoy whoa, 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 whoa. it. Depends. Yeah, Are we true. done with the woman bashing segment for tonight yet or not? Yeah, I think so. I, I would appreciate <laughs> you on that. <laughs> well, okay. You know what? You want to get into it? Because well, I'm going to. Well, hold on. For, we're talking about work. <laughs> okay. I just want to know. Do you think your works of playing your New York racist videos is going to get you into heaven? Okay, so David L. Gray got a little upset with me. <laughs> Did he asked that specific question like that. David uh, L. Gray got not, upset with me because that specific right, question. This will go into this will go into the woman conversation too. This is a good segue. So uh, there was just recently a another incident of a person of color having getting pulled over by the cops and. Instead of him complying, domed for he he choked he choked the police officer and he wound up getting shot. Now this guy was in prison, falsely accused for sixteen years. He just got out. It's a sad story. It really is. And I'm not a fan of the police in situations like this. Like this, the guy was driving 100 miles an hour, and the cop wanted to lock him up for reckless endangerment. To me, it's like give the guy a ticket. Sure, Just, just give the guy a ticket. Why are you arresting the guy? Because there was another video I saw. Oh, so I'll finish this story first. So, um, what I what my point was, somebody wrote uh, how this is an you know this is crazy. Uh, oh, the ACLU said something like black men are three times more likely to ha- uh, be shot by police um, than white people are. Like they gave the statistic, and I said, yeah, they're also like seven hundred times more likely to resist and not comply. And David L. Gray took offense to that and accused me of being racist. But a lot of it goes into what I've been watching. In well, this was also the same day like that I posted a few the- hours after your brother was held at knife point by Correct. some guy. So I posted the video of my brother being held at knife point, which was also a, a black guy. And then I posted that about that. But it, it goes into because of all the videos I've been watching where. I watched these police encounters and 90% of them would just be a ticket. 
but there's always a person who doesn't want to comply with the police and the police end up, okay, sir, get out of your car now. And they don't want to, and they resist arrest and it becomes this violent altercation. Yeah. Um, the, the other one I saw that really, I wanted to do a whole show on when women are given authority and just show women police videos because mm-hmm. women cops are tyrants. These two women pull this other woman over. She's doing 70 in a 45. And the, the, the female cop goes over and she is so nasty to this woman right off the bat, yelling at her. The woman's like, I'm just running late to work. She was so nice to the cop. Didn't get out of the car. Why, why am I getting out of the I say get out of the car. So so now the cop takes her license and goes back to the to her car to run her 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 license. And while she's in her police vehicle, she's talking to the other female cop. And they go, she goes, What should I do? Should I arrest her or just give her a ticket? And she goes, Let's flip a coin. And they flip the coin and it landed on arrest. And oh they arrested gosh. this woman. They arrested this woman. She's going 75. She's running late for work. I mean, come on. Who hasn't done 75 and a 45? Come on. That's not. I, I know it's dangerous. It's not. Uh, I'm just saying. Everybody's done it. Come on. Like, like, uh, it's really fast. My thing I is know. flipping of the coin. I'm just like, what? How flippant these women yeah. were to flip a coin to arrest the person. So, uh, so, so Jeff what happened? I love that joke. Flippant? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, <laughs> it was a pun. Um, it turns out these two female police officers get fired because the police body cam footage shows the, the the coin flip and all that stuff and the thing is the woman who got arrested they like they could have handled you have a duty as a police officer to cause as little bit of a problem for someone as possible i mean if they look if somebody needs to be arrested they need to be arrested but you should be not looking to arrest someone just because you feel like it. So the, yeah. the cop also, the, the the police officer also said she was doing 75, but didn't have a radar gun. Mm, that was thrown out in court so fast. It's not only thrown out, the, 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 all the tickets were thrown out, the reckless, the reckless driving, the, the speeding, all her tickets were thrown out and the two cops were fired. It was just completely thrown out. Like they took no regard for the woman's reputation. She then uh, missed work. You know, she was on her way to work, running late as it was. Like, the, like the cop just took it so far, so out of control. <laughs> then I watched another video of a female cop who pulls up in front of a school, and uh, she was trying to get down the road, and all the parents were parked outside to pick their kids up, and she flashed the lights, and the people didn't move right away when she flashed the lights, and she goes on a rampage and throws the N word out. There's a white female cop. Like she, and it's all on body cam footage, and she lost her job too. It just shows, first off, women should never be cops. But it just, for a woman to ruin another woman's day by flipping a coin, it's just. Well, that, to be honest, it's so like a woman. It's petty. It's just. It's, it's, a, it's a gross act of injustice because it's like, I mean, you are there to protect and to serve the population. And yes, of course, like, is this woman who's driving too fast? Is that a problem? Yes, of course. I'm not downplaying that. But like, come on, you're going to flip a coin. That's complete. That's completely now, gross error of justice. To be fair, the Supreme Court has ruled that the police are not there to protect and serve anyone. Oh, the, yeah, well, they, they don't have a duty to. Yeah, they have right. a duty, yeah. I would say, well, I guess it would be this. The they they have a moral duty because see, here's, here's the yeah. thing, and this is where I'm, yeah, I'm going to prove that. 
this is this is just where the U.S. system has really just it's it's so uncatholic. Is that the the like one of the roles of society, right? Because we're social beings, is to help direct man to his final end, right? Mm-hmm. To final attitude with God. That doesn't mean that 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 the state is the church or something, and right. But what that does mean, of course, is that like in all of our laws, we're supposed to promote the true religion. We're supposed to, in our morals, really exercise and promote good morals. And so in this context of morals, this applies to not just like, you know, banning things that are bad, but also promoting like a justice system, which is truly in accordance with the virtue of justice. And so when you see, you know, people who are just like, ah, who cares? Let me just flip a coin, you know, or, or <laughs> on that nature. It's, it's but how, about, how about how about even allowing women in this dangerous job to be? Yeah, because with? because I would argue like one thing that came to mind when you were telling the story was like. You know, how about, you know, like what's so beautiful about femininity is when a woman can take her authority that comes from her husband, which comes from God, and exercise that in accordance with rightly ordered principles in the context of the family with yeah. the children, right? That is a beautiful thing. But once a woman goes outside of that sacred covering, which is hers, right, by the natural law, it goes insane. I first of all, I love that Molly's watching. <laughs> um, yeah, there's something about a woman with an overinflated ego that there's just this ruthlessness, and, and you see it in female politicians, yes. and you see it specifically in conservative female politicians, which mm-hmm. is why I I mean I can't stomach. It's more apparent because it's so hypocritical. I would so say so hypocritical. It's there in liberal politicians too, but of course, it, but at least they're apparent. honest about what they are. Yeah, yeah progressives. Yeah. But when you have a conservative, a conservative female politician out there talking about family values and she's abandoned her family to go be a famous politician in Washington, D.C., it's it. There's nothing and, that upsets and, and me. Then, and then gets busted at a Beetlejuice concert. 100%. Bobert, nobody upsets me more than that woman. She'll have the nerve and the goal to talk family values. She abandoned her husband and children. Oh, I know. I know. And, and she's hooking why... up with random guys that she just met and do it, like mm-hmm. it, it's, it's, it's horrible. It's nauseating. Absolutely... Yeah, no, it's absolutely horrible. And this is what, <laughs> this is, I think the moment when all of us Catholics are just like, can't we have a, a true righteous person? Like, you know, Louis the ninth show up and end up being King of America. But until that day happens. Yeah. Like it's absolutely horrible. It's Can you absolutely... imagine what Mike Lewis would say about a politician that wants to, uh, Cut out the the tongues of blasphemers. <laughs> well, okay. Well, let's let's okay. So let's let this conversation carry over to um, the the attacks of, because all of this, the baptism conversation, all of it really started because they are going after Credo, um, right? Yeah. And they specifically being Lewis and the like. It's it's Tom's Digest, who I'm friends with. Yeah, you know, Tom's going after him too. They're they're nitpicking things that. Uh, Bishop Schneider has said, and they're they're making a caricature of trads. First off, um, and I don't like when caricatures well, they're, are they're made of any group. Of the whole Catholic faith, because to them, it's anything that started in 1962 and since. So, so part of what they were getting at is it's almost as if they they think that Catholics have an obsession with hell, almost like that they they enjoy the idea of hell. Okay. And the thing is, I would say, I don't think that's what trads are doing. I don't think trads are 
um, looking to portray anything of their own interpretation on it. They just want the truth. Yeah, so no, when look, you, at, look at the whole like parameter of the traditionalist movement. Like whether people like it or not, the traditionalist movement is spearheaded by Archbishop Lefebvre, who is all about the salvation of souls. Like literally every single thing he does from planning chapels to schools to helping religious orders get revigorated and things like that is all because of the salvation of souls. It's not yeah. like, hey, if someone was consistent, they were just gleeful. What they would do is they'd just be like, well, let's just shut everything down. How about this? Let's shut everything down and make you wear a mask and you'll never show up. And uh, yeah, have fun being saved. Like that's just not, that's even Nick, even the, even the conversation on baptism, right? Somebody shoots back at me and says, so what are you saying that the infants, newborn infants aren't children of God. And they always love to go to the baby limbo. Baby limbo. <laughs> it's like, yeah. Listen, you guys have to understand if you take away the necessity of baptism, what you're taking away is the necessity to evangelize. And you so become, you, you've also become like your border. And you'd have to you'd have to say it out loud, but you're bordering on heresy because we do dogmatically believe that baptism in whatever form it takes place in. Right is necessary for salvation yes, and yes. we also dogmatically believe that those who die with original sin only are deprived of the beatific vision and so like it's now, if now i would say this i would say i would say this because they always love to throw baby limbo at me mm -hmm. <laughs> baby limbo come on guys yeah <laughs> limbo <laughs> baby limbo the italian commentary <laughs> the uh my, my thing would be look we believe baptism is necessary and we can, I would say, dare we hope for infants is okay. And so and it's okay. In this, it's okay in the strict sense of the term, but it is like, I really do think that the modern view just kind of like, dare we hope is just so faulty and on. Yeah, it is actually speaking of which, so scholastic answers actually put forward a, a pretty good video about it. Maybe two or three weeks ago. Um, but b b basic gist is this, is it's like, look, we dogmatically believe baptism is necessary for salvation. We also dogmatically believe that if you die with original sin only, right, that you're deprived of the beatific vision. So those are basically like two walls, right, that you have to somehow weave through your interpretation. Okay, well, how does dare we hope fit into this? And one thing that people have brought up that he brought up in this video is that like Cardinal Cajetan theorized for in a, for a brief period of time, I'm going to see if I remember it correctly, that like, what if it was the faith of the parents, you know, that was somehow like, you know, imputed to them just in the same way that like the faith of the parents is required for, for baptisms and things like that. Um, the issue that kind of arises from this point, though, is that um, aside from the fact that, you know, baptism is needed for salvation, what does this mean, though, therefore, if invo of infants doesn't exist for all of the babies whose parents aren't Catholic, mm -hmm. they would the go way, to hell. They hell. would go to that hell. They would go to hell, hell, and that would be the like the only way you know that you could answer. And so well, the I, only way, according to both the magisterial texts that I've cited and the ones that I haven't, because there's plenty, I really do think is invo of infants or baby limbo. Yeah. Baby limbo. <laughs> um, but I I would just say we are bound by the sacraments. We are. This is what are, Christ gave us. We are bound by the sacraments. If I God is not, so what God chooses to do in his wisdom is beyond our understanding. 
Sure. So yeah. we just have to follow the, what God gave us. Exactly. But one of the one of the things God gives us though is the faith, and so it's just like if we are, like we are pinned in by what He has divinely revealed. So it's like God is not bound by the sacraments in this in the sense that like yes, you need this exact, you know, instrumental cause of sacramental grace, etc. But to be infused in this specific manner. But at the same time, it's like, well, it is eternally true that those who have original sin on their conscience yeah. and that alone will be deprived of the beatific vision. Yeah, they almost, they have to be, right? That's the way, yeah. Yeah, they have to be. And I understand that's a hard thing for people to to handle, especially if somebody's had a miscarriage, right? Right, Rob, you've had yeah. more than one miscarriage. So Three. it's a hard, yeah, that's a hard thing to grasp. It's, it, But there's there's no suffering there. It's just they don't behold the beatific vision. Yeah, it would not only the be, sufferings of hell. Yeah, what is it called? Uh, like the take this with a massive grain of salt. What I'm about to say, but I could probably look it up in hot, hot real quick. Yeah, I'm, I'm tempted to bra- pull one of my manuals off the, the shelf here, but uh, I, it's like deprived of like the joy of sense in the sense of like you know um, seeing God. Yeah, like the sense of joy seeing God in the beatific vision, but they're not punished with the punishments of hell, you know, any of the torments, etc. Because again, they're not culpable of that. But at the same time, because God is perfectly just, and Revelation 21 is very clear that like no impure thing shall enter into his sight. Okay, so Odd here says, in the punishment of hell, theologians distinguish between the um, the the Pina Demni, which consists in the exclusion from the beatific vision of God and the Poina census, which is caused by external means, more or less like the fires of hell. Um, uh, St. Augustine and many Latin fathers are of the opinion that children dying in original sin must suffer the the, torments of hell, hell, even if only a very mild one. The Greek fathers and the majority of the scholastics and more recent theologians teach that they suffer only the the pains from the exclusion of the beatific vision. Okay, so the the fathers are not unanimous. That's first off, right? Um, But the the other thing is that what we're getting at here is I'm not going to put what I wish the thing is onto it. I just want the truth of the thing and mm-hmm. what I feel and what I hope and what I want is irrelevant. So if I'm reading saints and the church fathers and they're saying something and I don't like it, I don't get to bend it to make me handle it better. Basically no. stuck it up buttercup. Yeah. It's, I mean, this is what was given to us. So it, this caricature that they're coming up with is our, is the trad who's got this obsession with hell and almost takes joy in the idea of those who are not in the faith or in a state of grace, not getting heaven. No, that's absurd. Mm -hmm. Of course not. That should break anyone's heart. It would be amazing if God could find a way to pour grace into that person's life and save them. We should be praying for our enemies salvation. But the idea is I'm not going to make something up because it sounds bad. I don't care about feeling good. I care if something's true. No, it has to be. A, yeah, exactly. Because it's like our our emotions, our passions are going to go here, there, and everywhere. And you're absolutely right, Anthony, because it's like, it's easy for me kind of in the scholastic drawing room to be like, okay, here are the different theories. Here's what makes the most sense. But like, on the other hand, you're absolutely right. It is a real thing that affects 
mothers and fathers and siblings and things along that nature. But at the same time, theology is the study of God and of things in relation to God. And we have to look at a like every theological question in a theocentric lens. And the problem is, is it's like if we really take the dare we hope mentality in this context to its logical conclusion, I would argue that it starts to challenge the justice of God. It does. It, that's what like the, the You're very declaring that God is not just. Exactly. Because it's like, well, even though God is not punishing them with the pain of sins, which is just right. That he's not, he would still be obligated to have a certain amount of deprivation to them because of original sin. Like that's why this is why guys, we should talk about the necessity of baptism for children very, very early. I think we were talking about it in the chat yesterday in the, in the, uh, in the telegram chat. Why the church emphasizes you must baptize your infants as soon as possible or else it becomes morally an issue. Right? It's, it's supposed to replace circumcision, so mm-hmm. it should be done within eight days. Exactly. It needs to be done ASAP. And the thing is, is that, you know, if it's not done, you know, for any type of just cause, which I'd say is a very, very, it's not things like, you know, waiting for the whole family to show up. Um, it becomes an issue. I have a friend, right? He, he's a father of two and he's just got married like three years ago, has two beautiful baby girls, but he took this very seriously. And when his first was born, it was like two days. And then she was boom. They were at the church getting the baptism done, et cetera. Right. He's in the SSPX of course. So you have that, that baseness there, but, uh, you don't see that everywhere. And that's a major problem. So I remember this story. If it's the same story, I mean, it might be a different story. Um, but the the people that were urging this uh, woman to baptize her kid, she was getting furious at that. That might be a different story, but there was a, a, a woman who had a sick child and everybody was like, you should baptize the baby. And it caused this outroar. And it was like, everybody was like, how could you be so mean and make her think that she needs to baptize her child? It's like the people saying to baptize the baby are the only ones that actually care about that baby. Everyone else worried about the mother's feelings doesn't actually care about the soul of that baby. 100% because it's like, I mean, you look at the traditional rite of baptism. It very clearly expresses the reality of like the devil's hold upon even a child, right? And the necessity for divine grace. And I saw one person, they asked a good question. Let me just say this too. When it comes to even limbo of infants, right? Limbo of infants is not a bad place. It's not a place of like physical suffering and pain. It is actually, you know, the theologians will talk about a place of all uh, natural happiness, right? So it is, you know, it is a happy place. It is not that, you know, that they're just sitting there kind of, oh, hum, et cetera, and nothing, nothing is happening, right? It is yeah. a place of, 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 of like great- I said, said here, yeah, St. Thomas says that natural bliss is compatible even with the, the, the pain of the damned, with the pains of being separated from the beatific vision so exactly because the the thing is like when it comes to like actual hell hell the sufferings of hell hell are multi-level they're in the soul they're in the flesh etc and so the rejoicing therefore on the flip side of it's going to be in the same way and so but yeah we we gotta baptize infants early and this is why like this whole system where we're just not emphasizing true evangelization we're not going out. We don't see people like having this urgency to go out and to baptize and to call man for conversion, right? It's so evil. It's so incredibly evil. And that's why we got to pray that, you know, we have priests and missionaries that really rise up and go forth into the ends of the world to baptize because like these are actual souls at stake. And, uh, 
Yeah, I don't know. It, it's absolutely crucial. But yeah, bat, that's why baptism, you know, it is the most important sacrament. Um, I want to pull up some of the um, credo criticisms. Okay, so I, I have one here. Yeah. Well, I, sure. all right. Let's I'm waiting go. for uh, Doctor Han to get his next hit piece for endorsing this book. Okay, so wait. Let's let's go with this. Well, this is this is all goes back to this and stuff. So, all right. Well, before even that, Rob, let's see. Unless okay. I'm misreading it, Bishop Schneider and Credo seems to be asserting no unbaptized person has human dignity, and two, anyone who is in a state of mortal sin also lacks human dignity. This seems dot 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 really bad and dangerous. In addition to being false. Okay, so this who, is what who is this, this that wrote this? This is the you know guy. who it was. No, that was Tom. Oh, was it? Yeah, oh, that I was don't Tom. Know. So, I don't, I don't is Tom. the dignity of the, this is what Bishop Schneider wrote? Is the dignity of the human person rooted in? Oh, wait, is the dignity of the human person rooted his creation in God's image and likeness? This was true for Adam, but with original sin, the human person lost this resemblance and dignity in the eyes of God. He recovers this dignity through baptism. He keeps it as long as he does not sin mortally. So that's what uh, Nick was getting into when he said the, the word dignity or Nick, Rob, is it you maybe saying, what do we mean by the word dignity there? Right. Schneider is using dignitas. In like the old like Roman sense, which was like a moral standing. It's your moral standing. It's not like your identity as as a human being. It doesn't mean it's you're a, worthless. Right. It means it means you lost you lost something through original sin. Adam loses something through original sin, right? So it's uh okay, so I would I would I think Protestants view original sin as a stain on the soul where Catholics view original sin as a lacking of God's grace in the soul. Well, it, I'd say it's both. So it's like in, in the sense, well, it depends again what you mean by certain things, but yeah, like a stain, the stain in, in the sense that like, we are going to have like the niggling, the niggling vestiges of. Oh, like, Nick, Nick, I can't use that word. Wow. What word? Oh my goodness. What word? Yeah. <laughs> what? Best? The way you said it, it just no. sounded like no. we're just, just making a joke. It just okay. sounded a little. <laughs> I was like, "What's wrong with that?" David L. Gray's coming for you now, man. Uh, I don't even know who that is, but all right. Um. <laughs> I don't know who that is. All right, let's go again. Let's do the nigga. <laughs> like, did I did I trespass upon like so? No, bad. we just thought it was a funny line. Okay. <laughs> What did you call me? <laughs> I'm so confused. Okay, whatever. Um, yeah, my, my point is, so like, we have, you know, through original sin, when it's forgiven in baptism, we still, of course, have a certain amount of its effects, right? So we have, you know, a, a darkened, in, a, the remainder of a certain darkened intellect, a divided will, inflamed passions, things like that. And it's, again, forgiven. I would say Bishop Schneider is completely correct. The problem is, is that I think that, and I thought I saw it in one of the questions that you pulled up, Rob. So many people are looking at this concept of dignity through Immanuel Kant's lens. Yes. And that is a problem because they're getting this from primarily an incorrect view of sin itself. So this is the, this is what's so interesting. So many modern catechisms and modern faith formation programs, and I can say this is a catechist for, for almost four years now, 
what they'll do is they'll say, what is sin? And they'll say, you know, it's a wounding of man's dignity, right? Which is so like, okay, this is a seventh grader. Like what is like, how but is that? They're actually saying the same thing that Schneider's saying. Well, what they'll, but see this thing, what they mean by the sin though, is that they're emphasizing the fact that like man's dignity, I don't think they're saying is rooted in the concept of sanctifying grace because where they're getting their idea of sin comes from is they're not focusing on the reality that sin is first and foremost. Yeah, it's an injustice against God. It's an injustice against God. And therefore we as his supporting creatures, of course, have to, to render that only through Christ, of course, can that be rendered. Um, and so, therefore, they're looking at this human dignity through a, a different lens. And I think that's where this, this criticism comes. But that's where, like, all theology of the body and JP2's personalism, like, so much of it's influenced by, you know, enlightenment Listen style. Listen to me. I would say when a woman dresses provocatively, she loses her dignity. How can this not be true? No, exactly. Exactly. Right? I mean, if I do something... That I, if, if I sin in certain ways, of course you lose your dignity. It's undignified. Something is undignified. I mean, come on. This isn't even a problematic thing. I don't understand it. All right, so let's go to the next one. According to Bishop Schneider and Credo, basic human fraternity can only exist between the baptized, who are only persons in, uh, with basic human dignity, in quotes. <laughs> I'm really beginning to be not quite sure how Schneider's version of Catholicism is compatible with incompatible with abortion or genocide he's he's twisting what that schneider is a means. gross interpretation of what he's saying so this is what schneider said does christian humanism radically affirm the dignity of every person as a child of god thereby establishing a basic fraternity this is what we were talking about earlier no it is the sacrament of baptism that establishes basic human fraternity for there is no parity between the condition of those who have have uh, adhered to the catholic truth by the heavenly gift of faith and the condition of those who led by human opinions follow a false religion and if anyone shall say to say that the condition of the faithful and those who have not yet attained to the only true faith is on par let him be anathema so is that that's a dogmatic. I wonder what I wonder from what council that is. Let me look at that footnote real quick. So yeah, so look what what he's talking about there, and the way I see it is he's he's addressing Francis and um, the basic sentiment we have in the church right now about <laughs> human fraternity. Oh, we have to build human fraternity, right? And he's saying no, you you can't have fraternity of man without the fatherhood of God Notice- outside of the. Notice how in Lewis, this is from Mike Lewis here. Notice that Lewis gives the foot a uh, footnote 53 says that says it's a confusing claim with catechism, but he doesn't tell you what foot, footnote 54 is, which is probably a dogmatic statement from a council. It sounds like Vatican one. Wait, is that his opinion a confusing claim of the catechism of the Catholic Church? Or no, is that, that that's is the that, footnote? That's Schneider's footnote, I think. Let me see if I can find that. Yeah. Uh, okay. So, what, in other words, human. What they're trying to do now with the Abrahamic Faith House and with all the, they're trying to build human fraternity, which is a Masonic principle. Of course, it's a Masonic principle. Doesn't okay, matter what so, religion yes. you are. Let's just have a brotherhood of man. And what Schneider is saying is, no, true human fraternity can only exist in the one true religion. It's okay. the only place that it actually can exist. Look, what we're going through right now in the church is a family crisis. What we are in right now is the most dysfunctional family fight 
that's ever happened because you have Catholics. I mean, you're talking about people that got upset with me for implying that baptism is how we become children of God, who are Catholics who would consider themselves faithful Catholics. It's the teaching is so unclear right now that, that we have such a lack of authority and fathers in the church right now that the children have run amok and the children are yeah. taking that authority on themselves. So get this. So, so Lewis and, and Tom and others are upset at this catechism because they even, they say that it is incompatible with Vatican II and the Pope sense, right? Of course. So, so that's kind of what we're saying so, too. Well, 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 footnote 54 there, Nick was right on. If, uh, it is uh, Dei Filius from the from Vatican I, Canon Six. So that is a dogmatic statement from a ecumenical council that Mike Lewis believes is incompatible with Vatican II and the Pope sense. Well, the, the thing is, is like, I, mean, I kind of think so too. This is where my more spicy takes her, but I mean, yeah, like it's a different church. Yeah, like the entire the entire system in and of itself. While there's a lot of good things that you can get from it, like the like you were saying a second ago, Anthony, you know, everything is so confusing right now, the, or the teaching is so confusing. I would say like the teaching is not confusing, but the hierarchy is an absolute, and I say this with absolute respect. It's a joke at the moment. It's a complete yeah. joke. Like if like if I as a teacher, right, who teaches catechism as well as theology classes, if I was to teach in the way that these are being taught right now, no one would get a passing grade. They wouldn't even know what I said. You know, it was just it's it's absolutely it's absolutely crazy. But yet yeah, this is a different religion that's more focused on human yeah. fraternity. How do we get everybody to kind of coalesce and kumbaya and you know Rather than let's build great cathedrals, let's build the great Abrahamic family temple. Like that is the greatest image, pictorial image that you can get of where the conciliar church is moving to. That's just all that it is. So here's what kind of baffles me about the Pope's planers. And and I mean the the Pope's planers who are faithful Catholics, right? These These are the Pope's planers who are Pope's planers, not because they love what Francis is doing, Pope's planners because they want to respect the dignity of the office of St. Peter. Yes. Okay. The, those people. Um, it's almost as if they think we're enemies of the church where I think that a lot of trads, the, I mean, it says it in scripture that there is going to be a great falling away. And that St. Paul says, it, whether I or an angel from heaven preaches another gospel to you, let him be accursed. Like we look at that and we are just horrified at what we're seeing by them trying to change everything. And we're saying, is that I don't think it's crazy to think that we are in the great apostasy. If this is not the great apostasy, what exactly is the great apostasy? Because we are seeing every single person fall away from the faith right now. And we're talking about in the church, the hierarchy, still claiming to be Catholic, falling away. I think a lot of people thought the great apostasy would mean people leave the Catholic church, but the great apostasy is the the Catholic hierarchy abandoning the faith. What would be more like, what would be more cunning from the devil, right? To have everyone just leave the faith or to reinvent it and keep everybody in the same unit, if you will. I think that this is where like, that sense of wanting to defend the office of the papacy is a good Catholic sense. You've said it plenty. You guys both yeah. said it plenty of times on this show, and that's great because it is a good Catholic sense. The problem, though, is it's like, it, is podcasters really the problem, 
or is it the pro-abortion feminist who's in charge of the you know Pontifical Academy of Life, who was appointed by the Pope, put into that position? Is is that the problem, or are we just who are just kind of rambling, having a conversation on a Friday night? Are we the problem? Come on, give us a break. And, and the thing is, I'm not trying to sow dissent, and I'm not trying to. I'm I'm genuinely confused myself, right? I'm just, and I'm trying to work out my thoughts on air. I am just some dad with a microphone and a webcam right so i know as a dad with the web I, I just am i'm a construction worker and a dad with a webcam and i and i think i am like so many other catholics out there who are struggling with what's going on right now i'm not sitting here telling everybody this is what needs to be done this is what the problem is i'm trying to work this out and i'm seeing things happening and i'm saying i don't know guys this sound this just i i hate look i'm i have a bit of apocalyptophobia <laughs> myself um what yes you do no philia not phobia no no, no. I, look uh, uh, all right so i have I, I have a little bit of both so i like apocalyptomania a bit because it's fun but i also have a little apocalyptophobia because i don't want to be a cliche trad who's always talking about fatima and it's it's but like fatima dude <laughs> Like, <laughs> I don't want to like, be that guy, but like Fatima, like, man. <laughs> no, I mean, no, it, it's it's fair just because it's like, look, I mean, if everything was hunky dory, we wouldn't even be having these conversations. I mean, look at the people like I, you guys, you guys are on Twitter. You guys see it more than I do. Look at the big names who are now calling the Synod on to the carpet, like Cardinal Zinn, who rightly points out that like the two, I don't know if you guys saw the, the two Chinese bishops that left the Synod today, right? They said that they were leaving for pastoral concerns back home. I'm like, they're literally communist appointed bishops who work for the CCP. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Are, like, are, like, are they the problem or is like this imprisoned cardinal who can't even get it five minutes of conversation with the Holy Father? Is he the problem? Real quick, Katney Mass, do you want us to just go into some of the more difficult things or do you want to actually? I mean, I would. I'm actually, I'm actually starting a series on credo next week, and I don't, I don't want to take it from Nick if he's doing it. You know, I was gonna say, like, the more the merrier. So it's like this is not a competition. I'm, I'm putting it out there for free. So it's like if you guys want to do something where you like really have conversations about like deep stuff, that's cool. I'm doing this more like a let, let's go line by line. I give my quick thoughts and stuff. So oh, that's pretty cool. So um, I think let's let Nick do that, and I mean, let's go through all these things that Lewis is complaining about. Yeah. Let's go yeah. through some of the problematic stuff together right now. Let's let's. I mean, we'll do that, and then Nick Nick is going to go line by line uh, for for uh, cat named Mass. So, um, let's see. I'm just a caveman. Your world frightens and confuses me. That sounds like an Apple Podcast review. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Tom, we are live right now. Um, uh, so, uh, all right. So, what else is what is what does Lewis have in his article? Um, let's see here. So dignity, human fraternity. Let's see what else he has. Just as so he's got the Muslims, the Muslims holding the same faith. He's got that listed. Let's go through that again. Yeah, yeah. I got I actually I was I was telling Rob before the show started, actually before you showed up, I I got to see that little snippet of your guys' show back to the future because I'm a huge back to the future lover myself. So uh (laughs) But yeah, no, so it seems like the controversy, let, let's look at the controversy real quick. Go ahead and uh, so is it, it. So this is from Schneider's Credo. Is it true to say that Muslims hold the faith of Abraham? No, Abraham saw three and adored one. Genesis 18, 2 and 3. 
and rejoice in the vision of the future Redeemer, John chapter 8, 56, excluding neither Christ nor the Trinity in his faith. Conversely, the Muslim explicitly excludes faith in Christ and the Holy Trinity. Yeah, 100% agree. I 100% agree. So I, my, my, my point was um, the Muslims are claiming to believe in the God of Abraham. Yes. And I agree with okay. that. Okay. So they're claiming to believe in the God of Abraham, the God who created everything. So un- unless there's another omnipotent, all-powerful being, I- I'm not saying they understand. Like I would, and I'm not even saying I agree with this. I'm giving, I'm trying to steel man their argument. Sure, sure. Yeah. Right. Well, so I-, I would I say they, as Vatican II says, they profess to hold the faith of Abraham. So they're not they're not professing that they hold the faith that you could read it that they're professing to hold the faith that Abraham held, or they could be professing that Abraham held the Muslim faith. So, so the the one the right they profess that Abraham held the Muslim held the faith, Muslim but faith. also I made the mistake of saying they believe the faith of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But that's totally wrong because Abraham has two sons, Isaac and, Isaac Ishmael, and Ishmael, and they're the descendants they're, of they're Ishmaelites. Yeah, they're they're Ishmaelites. Like, so it's I mean I wasn't even thinking when I said that last episode, but so I'm I'm I am not saying they worship the same. I'm trying to steel man and play modernist advocate. Um, th- that's what they're saying. They're going to say, unless there's some other omnipotent, all powerful being who created everything and is all merciful. And, but the thing is, they don't believe God is love. They're, the, the things that, that we make, the claims we make about God, because God revealed them to us, they would be appalled at. Well, and yeah. even if we remove the revelations from God and just look at God from natural reason, the arguments people were making online, such as the guy from CVS, was that you can that if you use natural reason, you can come to certain conclusions about the one about one God, and that Muslims believe in that God. But that's not true. Yes, we from reason we can conclude God is perfectly simple. Uh, he is unchanging. He is all good. Um, perfectly, you know. All these different things. Well, you, but you use Muslims principles, right? Of the unmoved mover and those th- right. those things. That's that's I guess what they're saying. But mu- Muslims, to them, the power of God is so important to them that they don't believe all those other things about God. Yeah, so it's like you're going to have certain emphases in like attributes that are going to become flagellated, as well as like their doctrine of Tawhid is going to be so so vastly different in so many ways than the Catholic understanding of God. My question is this, is that, so there's that phrase, is it, you might want to look it up, Rob, in Nostra Etate, because I don't want to be butchering it, but like, doesn't it not say like, they adore the one God with us? Because that's my key phrase. We pulled it up last time, Rob, pull that up again. Let me ask you this. Okay. If they don't worship the same God as us, are they in? Are they worshiping a god that doesn't exist, or are they worship worshiping a demonic entity that does exist? Yeah, so good question. So, if people want to do a deep dive, check out the Sacra Theologiae Summa, Introduction to Theology and Christian Revelation, because it actually gets into the basic discussion of like what is a religion. A religion is like us clinging to with intellect, and a religion is a relation to a personal being, right, with our intellect and our will. So it's like we recognize that we need 
God with our intellect. We submit to what he's, he's given. And then we say yes to following him with their will. So there's so, that. Like, oh, go ahead, Rob. Yeah, go for so it. So it says the church regards with esteem also the Muslims. They adore the one God, living and subsisting in himself. Merciful and all-powerful, the creator of heaven and earth who has spoken to men. They take pains to submit wholeheartedly to even his inscrutable decrees, just as Abraham, with whom the faith of Islam Islam takes pleasure in linking itself, submitted to God. Uh, though they do not acknowledge Jesus as God, they revere him as a prophet. They also honor Mary, his virgin mother. At times, they even call on her with devotion. In addition, they await the day of judgment when God will render their deserts to all those who have been raised up from the dead. Finally, they value the moral life and worship God, especially through prayer, alms, giving, and fasting. Yeah, I'm looking, I'm thinking of, uh, so it's paragraph 841 of the CCC, right? The church the church's relationship with Muslims, it says the plan of salvation also includes those who acknowledge the creator in the first place amongst those who are Muslims. These profess to hold the faith of Abraham. And then this, is the key phrase, and together with us, they adore the one merciful God, mankind's judge on the last day. Well, the only true. What word, is that from? That's from the catechism. Let's see. Paragraph 841. Catechism 841. Uh, second edition. So current edition. Of the catechism now that the catechism apparently can be changed willy-nilly but that's another discussion anyway but yeah so that phrase adore like together with us they adore the one merciful god that's where i'll completely say that's completely incorrect you guys brought up the other night the catechism of pope saint Pius X, right which i think this argument started to be used really by uh, mr timothy gordon i'm not bashing him or anything i'm just that's where i think it's become popular but Catechism of Pope St. Pius X doesn't say anything remotely near that. It basically no. just it basically acknowledges the fact that Islam believes in a monotheistic being. Yeah. And Pius X being a good scholastic is going to so, understand that that's a personal being. That's all it I, is. I want okay, so I lived in a Muslim country for 14 years. In their prayers, they literally claim that there is no God but Allah. They have a separate word for God, and Allah is a distinct way a distinct so-called deity. Now, but if you go to Arab Christians, they will call what we would say God, they will say Allah. But th that's because... That's just the it, word for God. Well, in Arab, but before they were spoke Arabic, they spoke Aramaic, and that's a different word. Okay, but my, okay so what? Here's my, here's my question. Do they worship a God that does not exist, or is it a demonic entity? I would say that it's most likely a demonic entity just because when you take at least seriously the story of Muhammad... And also what Muhammad himself claims, you see two accounts. One, when Muhammad's in the cave, right, He's has an angel of light appeared to him. And then also by his own descriptions in the Hadith, right, which are, which are the kind of oral sayings in the life of Muhammad. Every time he gets a quote-unquote revelation, he's twitching on the ground, he is foaming at the mouth, and he's saying, like, it's a very, very intense affair. Of course, this is demonically inspired. St. Augustine is very clear that the only true worship of God can take place inside of the Catholic Church and the Catholic Church alone. How can you call God Father if you do not have the Church for Mother, is what he also says. And so I think that that's demonically inspired, absolutely, because when you also look at it, isn't it convenient that there seems to be whole passages of uh, Islamic revelation which completely abrogate great natural and, and, and holy things like child adoption for the mm -hmm. sake of Muhammad wanting to marry his son's wife? 
convenient. This is exactly what St. Peter says in 2 Peter chapter 2 when he says that false prophets have eyes full of adultery. Same thing with Joseph Smith, right? Joseph Smith happens to have all of these revelations that only he can understand. Hieroglyphics buried in New York State, right? Only he can interpret them, then they're magically raptured up into heaven. But then all of a sudden there's a harem of women that are just around him, right? It's the same story with every demonically false prophet. Scripture has said it, and it plays out every day. So to me, the I would say the best argument against Muslims adoring the same God as us is, is um, what was the what was the heresy of, of Marcion? It was that the new te- the God of the New Testament was different from the God yeah. of the Old Testament, right? In Islam, the later hadiths, I think they're called of the Quran, yeah. after um, I forget if it's after Mecca, the trip to Mecca or the trip to Medina. I'm not sure. Yeah, but hadiths they, are mostly after just Muhammad's life. But yeah, the but the later hadiths of the Quran abrogate the like the first half of the Quran. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so what you're thinking of is uh, so a had- the hadith is separate from the no, Quran. No, okay, okay, yeah, you're right. Oh, you're um, absolutely right. So it's it's what it, it's Siraz, right. the later Siraz. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Because it's it's later teachings abrogate earlier teachings. Yeah, you're right. So right. then, the God they believe in is changing, and cannot be the same God we adore. Yeah. Um, Tom says, it, Tom, it's actually an, an Nestorian heresy. Um, a little bit of both. Both? Yeah, I mean, they're both claiming that Jesus is not God, right? Not to not just to mention all of the uh, very, very interesting scientific problems like the sun setting in a pool of muddy water or sperm coming from the spinal cord or all kinds <laughs> of insane things where Muhammad is, you know, marrying a, let's just say, Chris Hansen worthy episode yeah. uh, <laughs> lady, um, or wearing women's clothes or saying that you can like cleanse oneself at the bathroom with an odd number of stones. Or you have to dip the fly in the milk so that you can get that the- stuff is in there. That's oh, all in dude, the Hadith. It's, yeah. This is all in the Hadith. So it's like the Quran. Yeah, but all right. Quran, but you go to Deuteronomy. They got some weird things in there too, dude. No, no. Everything <laughs> is perfect. It all makes 100% rational sense. And we have entire commentator traditions. When you go over, to Muslim nations, there's a lot of Muslims. There's some pretty crazy sheikhs who think you have to do this. And the thing is this. In the Quran, it only mentions Muhammad four times. Only four times, right? And so there's like a small heretical by Islamic standard sect of Muslims, which are called Quran-only Muslims. Because the Quran says that the standard of conduct is Muhammad. He's like the litmus test. But the only way you know about Muhammad's life is by reading the collections of al-Hadith. And when you go and you read the collections of all Hadith, you find that this guy, you know, is saying on the one hand, you can marry up to four wives, but I have nine and half of them are underage. And all of these crazy things that I've been saying, you know, whether it's literally dunking the fly or using the stone or that you can drink camel pee because God will like somehow cleanse it in your palate or that the sun sets in a pool of muddy water. Why would you read this? (laughs) Because there's a lot of people lost. That's the thing. we got to understand it's when we're doing these ridiculous ecumenical meetings where we're up there just saying, oh, yeah, let's all be buddy, buddy. And I'm like, look, this guy's book literally is saying that we can cleanse ourselves with an odd number of stones. That's not the God I worship. That's insane. I'm going to put a poll up tomorrow that says, does Arius, did Arius worship the one true God? He's far closer to it than Muslims. I know he is. That's my point, and I want to see how. And I want to see how it compares to the do Muslims worship the one true God? Joseph is base. They can't eat bacon. That's demonic. One hundred percent. 
Yeah, Arius was way closer because he 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 was closer. He he believed Christ was Arius he, believed Christ is a created he, being. Arius even believed the New Testament for the most part. He just had a heretical understanding of the nature of Christ. Yeah, yeah in heretical like you could in a strict sense say that Islam is like a heresy of Christianity in the strict sense, but then just to like you have to again like read that catechism passage in context in the 1960s context, are they really concerned about like scholastic precision or are they interested in kumbaya spirit? Let's all get together. Cathars, Albigensianism, that's a, a, a Catholic heresy, but they believe in dualist, you know, a, a dualistic, you know, basically two gods. And not yeah, good and right. evil are equal in power. Right. So, so being a Christian heresy doesn't, doesn't mean at all that they believe in the same god as us no exactly because it's like i mean all it all it means is that it has its like origin in some type of christian principle but it's grossly inaccurate now <laughs> i don't even i don't even i don't even know what that you know i think no, i know what phrase, it is but i don't the want phrase to is peace be upon him so he's saying police be upon but him. the second part Yes. I'm not gonna say it. No. <laughs> you know, look, the thing is, is that there's plenty out there about Muhammad, and he is the last person on the face of the planet that you'd want to be following as a good moral conduct person. Like, um, we would have know, to have an uncensored show if I was just to go off right now about some of the crazy stuff. <laughs> that I wanted a dubia question submitted to Rome. See if they answer. Was, was there any other um, problematic areas that Mike Lewis brought up? Um, oh, I'm sorry, guys. Please forgive you know, me. No, I do think it should be pointed out that Lewis is complaining about the beliefs of, that Schneider has about Muslims. Schneider lives in a nation. Of of He's Muslims, Lewis probably hasn't talked to one in. You ever you ever hear Eric Salmons try to say Kazakhstan? It's it's hilarious because it's not a hard word. What Eric, is not at all, Eric? So it's not difficult. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan, Eric, Kazakhstan. It's you, not you could say great. Kazakhstan, Kazakhstan. It's not that hard, bud. <laughs> oh man. One no, one day we should come on and we'll do a locals exclusive show, and I'll give you all of them like like the ten most off the wall things. That would be a good. I would um, do that. Yeah, man, for sure. Most people, most people don't know. I I actually am obsessed with Catholic Islamic apologetics because I I was like over in Muslim lands a couple of years ago for a long yeah. time evangelization. Dude, you have to understand Detroit's like, not that bad. I don't know if I'd say it's <laughs> Muslim lands. Yeah. <laughs> Rob, you live in closer to Muslim lands than anybody I know. Hey, they're four hours south. <laughs> um, hey, while, while Nick mentions it, there's there's another good one. Well, before, Nick just mentioned it. If you guys aren't uh, on our locals, there's a lot of <laughs> bonus content on our locals that you can't get on YouTube. Uh, head over there and go subscribe. Join our locals. Um, all right, what was the next one, Rob? So this is the last one I see on the website. So. <clears throat> Question 96. Then man is not a creature that the creator has willed for its own sake? No. Although man should never be used as a mere means to an end, the notion that man exists simply for his own sake is the self-referential error of anthropocentrism rooted in the unchristian philosophy of Immanuel Kant. Completely based. That's completely Thomistic, 100%. So what is this? So is this like 
black section underneath is this so what is- I, what seems lewis has the bigger problem about is how is, is schneider's footnote so his footnote for this is the Council of Vatican's two documents, Gaudium et Spes, yeah, made the ambiguous a- affirmation that man is the only creature on earth that God has willed for its own sake. What does yeah, that even the, mean? The SSPX, this is a classic text that the SSPX critiques because this is, it, it looks completely anthropocentric and Schneider's answer is completely right. Like God created. Can, can, can you guys hold it down for two minutes? I want to go get something. I want to go get my, my missile and I want to read to you why we were created by God. And it's not in the Father of the Sons in my regular I know. I, I read that. I just, I got that missile on the trip and I read I, I your mass in your life, right? It yeah. is phenomenal. You want me to, I have it right here. Yeah, grab it. Great. Yeah, yeah. I'd rather you read it. I don't want to delete It's cool. It's, it, it's your mass and your it's, life. And it's it, the SSPX missile. Oh. Yeah. Okay. And it goes, it tells you why God actually created us. And the first time I read it, I was blown away by it. And it's, it, I mean, essentially, it gets down to God created man to be a wedding gift for his son. But yeah, okay. yeah let's, let's ready. See. Yeah. In God's plan, it is not man who is the center of the universe, but Jesus Christ, the incarnate word. God created all things for Christ, for the sake of Christ Jesus, in whom the father already had placed all his delight, and for the sake of Mary, his mother, full of grace. God decided to create man in the universe. To this son, in whom he is well pleased, friends were to be given, and so man was created. The race of man represents the friends of the bridegroom, mentioned by our Lord in the gospel. To this son whom he loves, the father will give a house and a garden, and so the universe was created. Man, created for Christ, is loved in him. We thus form, as it were, a wedding gift from God the Father to Jesus Christ, the Bridegroom. So now, if you guys ever get the SSPX missile, it's it's much longer than that. It goes into yeah, a bunch of stuff pages. about it. I'm not going to have Rob read it, but what I just realized while Rob was reading that is, Rob, you and I should be undercutting Kennedy and his audiobook stuff. You think so? Yeah, you you got a great audiobook voice, and I think I can tell you I wouldn't give St. Christopher a Scottish brogue accent. Yeah, I think you got to work on a couple of accents, and I think <laughs> I think we can steal some of his business. Listen, we listen. I think I think Taylor is coming on not this week, coming up the week after. So if he's got another book coming out, see if we can sneak I'll, it. I'll I'll, uh, I'll work the voice a little before yeah, that. You got to yeah. go in a little smooth jazz. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah, yes. Now, oh god. You, you see <coughs> that Mike Lewis is getting all worked up for this but it's like as the missile says it's completely intangible with Catholic teaching. What? Yeah. It's exactly like what you have been saying for a while Anthony like the whole thing about TC and, and all that like they're they're not coming just for the mass they're coming for the the actual Catholic faith. Yep. That's what they're after. Yeah, it might have started with the traditional liturgy, but they if if you believe the Catholic faith, they are coming for you and they want to strip it away from you to where you give up in despair. Did you guys see the Whoopi video from The View? I make sure never to watch anything. Okay, with her, well, well, play. I sent it to you. It's like a four minute. Clip. I know. We don't have to play the whole thing, but you have to. You want to talk about them trying to change the faith? Look, look, because there's one part. I'll have you stop it if there's one part. It's about a minute in where Whoopi says something, and it's just it's 
it it gets to the heart of how how ridiculous all of this actually is. Okay. Can we bring it up here? Yeah, bring it up. Um, so Whoopi Goldberg went and visited the Pope, and she described her visit on The View when she returned. So let's see. Are we really playing the yeah, view well, on the show? Yeah, I'm play this because... Um, Oh, Robin, you have to get it. It's it's a it's a pretty long thing. It's it's I'd say it's like three pages long, maybe four. And just even if you don't read that, the, I mean, the amount of prayers you get in a in a Latin mass missile are just phenomenal. Robin. I, Robin, I'll get you. I'll give me a second. I'll get a link for that missile here. It's it's right on the Angeles Press website. I thought he, I thought Anthony was saying Rob at first. I was like. What Robin? No, Robin asked. She yeah, said, "Can yeah, you yeah. put a link for the SSPX message?" I was confused. I was like, "What are you talking about?" <laughs> it, you know, it. So there's the Angeles Press. There's the St. Andrews. There's the, the Father Lasance. There's the Veronius um, Press. Veronius Press. All like all great. All slightly different. The worst part is, is like I'm sure there's parts of each that are completely unique to that missile and you need all four of yeah. these $80 missiles to I'm just get gonna, all of I'm just it. gonna make a new one called the St. Thomas missile that has all the, the super pros. missile. Yeah the super missile that has all of all the well, pros in it. The thing is I love the Father Lassance because <laughs> it describes what's going on in the mass in so many places. It'll tell you when the priest is up at the altar and it'll give you these little highlighted footnotes in the upper right corner and telling you exactly, because half the time you can't hear the priest and you don't know what's going on up there. And it'll tell you exactly what the priest is doing. Sometimes it'll give you the little prayer he's saying up there where, uh, but the SSPX one, like Rob said, has other things that it offers that the Lasance isn't. The Lasance has little pictures that, uh, you know, show you what the priest is doing, how he's holding his hands. So, I like the Lassance because it is 355. You know, it's copyrighted in 1945. But that does make it difficult when all the Latin masses that you go to are 1962. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, like, I wish the Angeles Press was 355, but I understand why the SSPX does 62. I don't know. I just wish that everything was more uniform. Wait till Pius the Can we just go back, man? Just make Can't it we just be Catholic? Yeah, uh, right. <laughs> as, I, as I told Tim Flanders on the uh, Mass of the Ages podcast stream that was going on today, I just I rated the stream and I just said we have to have Dominican right supremacy. That's the only way to go forward. <laughs> That's that would be good. I, I personally, so all of the. <clears throat> Like I personally like the St. Andrews, I think the best, just because while I think the font is like the text font, the Father Lassance is the most aesthetically pleasing. The St. Andrews literally gives <clears throat> a complete description of every single feast day. So it shows you like why the gospels is, is what it is, why the, you know, every prayer, every part is the way that it is. And that's just great. And yeah, it's pre-55. I've before. never, I've never seen it. The problem it's- with the Father Lassance, as, as far as like, you're right, it's got that older typeset. But the problem is, is it's not, it's been republished as like an image of that old, of the old typeset. So it's not like they did, they redid it all with the brand new typeset and and realigned everything. It's more like, here's a page on which we printed an image of how it was in 1945. Yeah. 
it's kind of cool, but it's also kind of hard to read. It's yeah. funny because this, if you get the St. Andrews missile, it's actually different than the St. Andrews missile back in the day. So, like, <clears throat> it's so funny when you get like a pre fifty five St. Andrews missile, gorgeous images, beautiful like sketching of saints and stuff like that. When you get oh. a nineteen sixty two St. Andrews missile, it's like all terrible 60s artwork mm-hmm. it's like oh, prime, they're priming the faithful but then it's funny because when you get the reprints now like the current one that you buy today they not only went back to like all the pre-55 stuff but they also went and they like struck a lot of like controversial stuff about like the laity responding in the context of dialogue masses it's so funny so Sweet. they're just yeah so they're just like, making it even better than it was um, the, the other thing I'll say to people that are maybe new to the Latin mass, um, the, Go. there's a, there's a booklet called the Benedictus. Um, <laughs> I love the early sixties artwork. Yeah. He looks at it while he sings, uh, I mean, uh, I don't know. So uh, gather us in. Yeah, sure. That one gather us in. Um, so the, there's a, a booklet called the Benedictus It's basically, um, it, you don't have to worry about figuring out the missile. You just yeah, go to the yeah, D. And it, time, yeah. It's it's laid out for you because when you get one of these missiles, you have to know where to flip for the mass and then the propers and like you're good. using all eight bookmarks in a missile. Definitely. Whereas with the Benedictus, it's it's just page after page after. Hey, yeah, you go to the D, and they send you. Do you guys have a problem with like using hand missiles? Because like no. I like. What the first TLM I ever went to, I don't know if this was like a singular grace, but I just instantly knew how to use it. And my son taught me. Your son taught you? My son figured it out before me. My son taught me. Yeah, Sean, I did I did screw that one up bad. My brain, <laughs> my brain just went blank. I'm like, oh man. Yeah, but Sean, sometimes watching him bomb is better than him actually succeeding in the joke. So. <laughs> well, yeah, I'm I guarantee there's gonna be a clip of that. I will love anytime Rob bombs. I should have actually pointed out, wait, what's that, Rob? I should have done that right when you could wait, 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 say that. What was that Rob? Um oh. so Nick, to answer your question, like I, I learned how and, and can do it just fine. But what I like the Benedictus for is when I'm at mass with my kids and they're yeah. grabbing, they're grabbing at the book Fair and point. like, I don't want my $80, you know, hand missile ripped just because yeah. I'm really anal yeah. about my books. No, 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 I am too. I am too. I see all the, the pristine books in the background. And so I am too, but see, I feel like the problem is I have to, when I become a dad one day, by God's grace, I'm finally going to understand the, like the average trad experience because the problem is, is that I'm like in this cushy situation I was gonna where say, I don't have any kids. The average experience, you're not going to get a chance to use a missile anyways, bud. Exactly. Not for like six or seven years. I'm Rob, just gonna, did you, I'm did just you get the little children's missile for your kids? I have gotten them three or four different ones. It doesn't matter. Yeah. No, I'm saying for your kids, for your actual kids. Yeah. Okay, they're not I, at the I, age where they really care about them. Yet. Yeah, when, when my daughter was younger, I got her one, and she used to just read because I mean it's a very it's it's basically they'll give you the propers, but they'll give you like a shortened, easy to read version of the propers and stuff, and yeah, it's pretty good. Um, where what were we doing next? Was we we went through all the problematic uh, Whoopi Goldberg? Oh, Whoopi Goldberg. That's right. A bastion of theological knowledge. Yeah, I want to get to something very specific. Hey, it, that's why. she was a nun once. She was. Or twice. How many sister acts were there? Two, at least. Three, I think. Oh, maybe, yeah. Three, I think. Yeah, okay. she just riveting philosophical intrigue. We're just about to be completely blown away. 
for real. And it was kind of shocking. Before we watch this, we should probably check what Kratos is about committing suicide just to see. <laughs> hey, bro. Vatican okay. 2 doesn't condemn it anymore, though. You're good. <laughs> because for 11 years, this is something I've tried to do. And, you know, damn, Anthony, she sounds like she smoked more than you. <laughs> for 11 years. <laughs> is it Kamala Harris? <laughs> She's brutal. Kamala Harris is have to go through all these different ways, and we did it a different way. And and the next thing I knew, I was in Rome, yeah, <laughs> talking to him, and and uh, he was quite amazing. He he is exactly what I hoped he would be, which is a pope for all people, regardless of religion, mm-hmm. which I really Thank- ah, what shut <laughs> this woman up? No, shut no, no, but she's up. right. She's right. He's no, I know she. I know she's completely right because, like, later on in the clip, there's like one of her co-hosts goes on and just like she says, like, "Oh, you know, I would consider myself a devoutly practicing." Yes, guy. yeah. Let's let's, let's, let's let's play this whole thing. We'll get into all of it because this is nuts. Yes, it Nick, is. A Nick, what? Yeah. What do the manuals say about this, Nick? Honestly, <laughs> look, look. This is like this is like committing suicide. You guys so get an indulgence <laughs> for this. Come on. We do even have to buy it. Let's go. And I wanted to thank him for all of my gay friends. Yeah. And f- these people this, make our arguments for us. We amazing. don't even have to say anything about Francis. <laughs> go ahead. Keep going. Let's go. For all of my divorce friends. Yeah. It just gets better and better every single time. <laughs> no, but you're going to see the punchline. Watch. Oh, gosh. Because he basically has said, listen, God loves you no matter what. Come back to the church. Yeah. I appreciate oh, it. Yeah. And you don't always get to, you know, you don't always get to meet and say stuff to people. And I just, you know, I thought, OK, I'm going to walk into this building and I'm going to burst into flames. <laughs> <laughs> but as it turns out, I did not. And, uh, I brought him some stuff from from uh, Sister Act. And, and he requested he asked it. For it. He, asked, he for it. asked for it. <laughs> and, uh, and this is a little bit of what that all looks like. Look how awkward. So awkward. It's a pleasure to meet you. And I'm glad to meet you. And my family. I wanted to say thank you for everything. You're not very important. <laughs> You know, we're trying to help bring the the sisters into the 21st century. There are no sisters left, thank you, you guys. Thank you, Mr. You're bringing the sisters into the 21st century. All this to get to one stupid line that I want to hear, so just keep going. Really? Really? Yeah, it's it's important. One of the best things you can do for people is to help them to have joy and to make to make them laugh. Yes, I'm trying. <laughs> All right. wow. 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 But I have to tell you, when he said he bring a joy, I wanted to say, "Oh no, I forgot her." <laughs> you know, but it it That's was a wonderful sentiment. Yeah. That's a but, wonderful you know, sentiment. when I um when I was a little kid, I got 
uh, John Paul II came to Miami and I, I, you know, I wasn't a one-on-one. I got close to him in, with uh, hundreds, thousands of other people. And I felt this, and I'm, I'm a jaded, cynical, disgruntled Catholic. And I, I felt this, this wave of something, of emotion. Did you feel that? Well, you know what? He, he, I went to Catholic school and clearly the first book I was <laughs> called John the 23rd. Mm-hmm. The good and he was instrumental in saying to the powers that be, listen, we cannot continue to do these masses in Latin because not everybody speaks Latin. Do the mass in the John the 23rd didn't say that. We are Shut getting- up, woman. <laughs> John the 23rd didn't say that. This woman has no idea what she's talking about. But that's not even what I want you to get to. It's coming. He up. said to the powers that be. To he the powers that power be. that yeah, right? was. <laughs> Gosh. These people know nothing. Uh, are we done yet? Almost. And Keep going. Come killing on. me with this clip. Yeah. Giving the mask to and tell these nuns to lighten up with these clothes. It's yeah, that works too, so it's well. Too heavy. Works so we well. Need to be here. And it's been a very long time, and they really gave him a lot of hell about this, saying, "You, how dare you come in and change this and blah, blah, blah. And this Pope gets a lot of hell from people because yeah. he is saying things that seem to freak people out. He's pretty progressive you know? for a Pope. Well, he's very progressive. Pope. He's a human being, as yeah. it turns out, which is what I really liked. Yeah. And he is doing you his best. Go watch to- Michael Lofton. Go watch Michael Lofton. He'll clear everything up. Listen, <laughs> keep going. Just get to the stupid part. Oh, I don't want to answer. Come on. <laughs> Be a human for everybody. Yeah. You know, because he knows that we're all flawed. He's flawed. I'm yeah. flawed. He's You're definitely flawed. flawed. But he's like, listen, we can we can bring the best we can. Bring the best of us. So, you know, I don't know that it's going to jump me back into church. But it, no, listen. Stop right there. You know that was what, what I wanted did. to get to. So all of this, the Pope of the world, he's the Pope of all religions. I don't think I'm going back to church. <laughs> so all of this, this is Francis's evangelism. I mean, I'm not going to go back to church. I mean, you know, I went to thank him for my gay friends, and I went to thank him for, for my divorced friends, and he's just he's a he's a human being, and he's a progressive. Great. Awesome. Thank you, Francis. You're doing a great job. Oh my gosh. That um it, just for the record, if it, if this cuts out, if this stream cuts out for you guys on YouTube, let me know. I just got a warning from YouTube that they detected video in our stream belonging to someone else. So your stream may be temporarily blocked. Oh no. Uh, so, oh, you know why you have to yeah, you have to um play like shorter clips of that. Yeah, Uh, that's what we were trying to tell you to do. No, (laughs) four and a half minutes in just for that. (laughs) That's so annoying that that's not fair use. Well, it is like because we we were talking. They're just, yeah. Whoopi Whoopi Goldberg is just an absolute mouthpiece to the machine. And to have her go over and give what we all know right is actually striving to practice devout catholics i mean th- th- this is a mi- this is a million miles away from the 2000 catholics that i walked with you know a week ago who are striving for holy families and the restoration of all things it's in christ different religion it's a completely different religion and to say like you see 
all of those view hacks getting up there and saying, well, I was in, I, I'm a disgruntled Catholic or, you know, I'm a Catholic, but I disagree with the church's teaching. Or, you know, I used to go to Catholic school and thank goodness we don't have mass in Latin anymore. And we lighten up a lot. What about Sonny saying, she actually says after that, we won't play it again, but she goes, I am a devout Catholic. Um, but I disagree with the church's teaching on homosexuality. And I disagree with I'm the church's so teaching on that. Like she goes through a, li- a, like a litany of all the things she disagrees with. It's not the notice how it's never She's anything. She's really just a devout Episcopalian in the end. No, she is. Yeah. Notice it's never like anything actually interesting that they disagree with the church in, like, you know, some obscure scholastic point. It's always just the classic same old. I believe in the, the energy energism of Palamus. It's never yeah, it's something like, like that. It's like the same the old is. civil society drivel, the same progressive talking points that they don't actually really keep that the only reason they do this is for money. That's the only real reason. And Anthony, Anthony. I will give you 20 bucks if instead of broads, you use that term next time. On <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> He's half a broad. I'll say, I'll say I'm both. <laughs> oh, no. Uh, that, 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 that just that nicely sums up just the current state of where everything is at. And it is so annoying, but it's not surprising. Like, it's not surprising at all. And so, man, it's just annoying. Because, see, this is what's annoying. If if the Holy Father, the successor of St. Peter, cared about her, right, it wouldn't be about bringing joy and positivity. The true joy, the actual fruit of the Holy Ghost, right, is with divine charity in the soul through sanctifying grace, which is what he should want for her. So if he knew anything about her, maybe he just doesn't have access to the Internet like that old Pope's planning line is going i'll be honest i don't think he has a clue who she is i I think he, you know i all these celebrities he meets he met sylvester stallone and he's like i watched you all the time when i was a kid what beforehand someone whispered him holy father make sure you laugh at whatever anything the black lady says okay (laughs) especially especially after the incident where he didn't kiss the black the black cardinal (laughs) (laughs) well it's it's like the video i put up yesterday on my show so i was i did a news story on uh you know, that the pro-homosexual nun that got invited to the Vatican yeah. they did that photo op and stuff like that. You know, we're not, we're, like, where, where is the traditional Catholic families or the priests that have been dying to like talk to the Holy Father, getting their audiences? No, just a bunch of secular celebrities. The Catholic church is the Ark of salvation. It is not the chaplain to the UN. And that's yeah. exactly what's going on. I, I'm, I am literally, I will be so happy if I am 80, 90 years old and I finally hear a pope bring up the subject of sexual sins in an encyclical context, some Never crazy again. thing like that. I'm just dying for it. We need to Look, save the goal. There's two, there's two main goals of the of the synod process. One is the synodal process itself. It's a perpetual, oh, sure. a perpetual conclave. Turns uh, it democratic. Conclusion. But it's just a perpetual uh council. Mm-hmm. If anytime they want to get a new thing in and say, hey, we just go on, we got to sit out every two years. We do this every two years, guys. And that goes to show you that that can't be the Catholic Church. Because again, like we have a once and for all deposit of faith that we understand more explicitly as time goes on. And that's it. We don't always, the ever evolving thing is exactly what one of the commenters said. It's modernism on parade. It's yes. literally modernism in the classical sense of the term. The problem with a unifying Pope is it, a unifying Pope would be 
uh, would cause a massive schism. Because the only you cannot unify without truth. And if you have yeah. a pope who starts speaking the truth, you're just going to get a schism. But you'll unify the faithful. Yeah, that is the only way to unify us at this point. Yeah, it's the only way. So then the other goal of what we're seeing is universal communion. Yeah, they want to open communion up to everyone. I'm talking Protestants. Which makes it completely meaningless. It makes it sacrilegious on a level that's even worse than we see today. I mean, almost, I would say the majority of communion receptions are sacrilegious. I would agree with you. I think that, I think that, you know, you, I, I said it, I think the last time I was on the show or two times ago that we've systematized sacrilege because we don't ever preach on the sacrament of penance in common parlance. We don't ever really preach on hell, four last things, mortal sin. My students, right? These all come from Novus Ordo families. They've been going through faith formation their entire life. I ask them what a mortal sin is, right? Seventh graders, no clue at all. Yeah. They're like, I've never even heard of it. You know, I'm like, how have you not heard of this? And you've been going to quote the Catholic Church your entire but, but life. And I say that then they should never have received first communion. Exactly, 100%. Because that, and that, and that's on their parents, that's on them, that's on teachers, et cetera, for just not teaching them and things like that. But you're absolutely right. I think that's what they want. And again, it fits the world fraternal model. Like yep. if you want to unite everybody, then why not bring them into what is supposedly supposed to unite all of us? But yes, we can only have true unity. Like the mark of the church one, right? One holy Catholic and apostolic church. One is that a um, mix many facets is that we're one in faith. Is yep. this the same faith? No. And, and what I'll say, look, the irony of it all is the more they open communion up, the less people will attend. Yeah. It's, it's, it, it's, it's like, they think we'll just, we'll, we'll let the Protestants come receive. We'll let everybody receive. None of them will come. They it'll be, it'll care. be a big show for the first couple of times. And it'll last for a couple of weeks. And then everybody's just going to go. I don't, I don't this. Nobody believes what we're, what, the, any Protestant that takes their faith seriously wouldn't dare receive Catholic communion. So you're going to just get these posers who just do it for the photo op. And once the photo op's done, it'll be over. It seems that like the Novus Ordo Church and like mainline cringe Protestantism, you know, like Anglicanism and Episcopalianism, et cetera. They're just like trying to see who can outdo each other and get to this further point to where eventually when that entire generation dies, you're pretty much left with two major groups in quote Western Christianity, the trads and like the evangelicals. And that's like, we'll be the ones to survive. All all Francis is doing is what the Episcopalians and Methodists started doing, you know, however many decades ago. Decades ago. Yeah. Yeah, and nobody goes to, like you guys think the Catholic parishes are empty. The Anglican parishes are deserted. Exactly, yep. complete wastelands to the point where they're bringing in the um, the the helter skelter slide and the bishop sliding down the helter skelter slide during a liturgy. I mean, the optics of that, the symbolism of it, is the the bishop just swirling down into hell. You guys, you guys did a great job on uh, your interview um, the other day. Well, your well interview, but your discussion on Brian Holdsworth's interview with Pints with Aquinas. Yeah, because one thing that I, I, I Brian Holdsworth, he's awesome. I, I don't know why I haven't had him on my show. I'd love to have a conversation with that dude. He's he's a great dude it, from what it seems. But one thing he said so brilliantly, put into words what I was thinking, is that when you see the church act like the world. The world looks at us and says, you're just cringe posers. That's all that it is. It is so cringy. You look at Christian movies, absolute cringe fest, Christian music. Why would why do we have rock and roll Christian music? 
Like it's just crazy. If I want, if I want to listen to metal, I'll just listen to metal. It's that exactly. simple. Exactly. When I like, I mean, I'm not saying, of course, that like all praise must be chant, of course, but all praise should be reverent and fitting. There's nothing fitting about just taking and basically posing off of the lyrics and the success of like secular stuff, whether that's music, movies, entertainment, whatever, and not, and especially the liturgy, you know, and it, yeah. especially. If the 60s revolution was consistent and we had a Novus Ordo that was really for our times, we wouldn't be using these cringy 1970s songs. We'd be using like modern reggae or something. Who even knows? I, I never knew Brian Holdsworth was so trad. We might yeah. have to get him on too. I yeah. actually credit Brian Holdsworth. Uh, and I don't know if he knows this because I, I, I've tried sending this before, but he's a, he's up there in the upper echelon of people who don't respond to DMs. But I credit him actually greatly with getting me into Thomism because it was like four years ago when I converted, he came out with a video talking about St. Thomas Aquinas versus the Nouvelle Theologie. And that video changed my life literally because I started my show, read through the whole Summa, been studying it. It's my master's degree. Like, yeah, they, they, he started that conversation before they got into tradition. They were talking about the virtues and things like that. And it, it was a, I'm telling you guys, if you didn't watch that interview, it was a really good interview. I enjoyed it. Mm -hmm. So, um, all right. I think we covered everything tonight. I am so tired. Oh, man. I don't want to yawn on camera. It's such a rude thing to do. Um, at least the Protestants started their own religion. <laughs> <laughs> the see, current hierarchy is worse because they want to destroy the wantly truth. It's so true. It's so true. But see, like that's what makes it more sinister. And it makes it more interesting because it's like, um, yeah, I don't know which video you're referring to, but thank you very the much. The one with the awesome the, – the I think the one about the oh the one that we told in the beginning that you had to, yeah that the way you where you're describing the the, the oh yeah 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 is the no, conciliar church the true church it's so important it's so important yeah let's I mean that's what I'm saying people last thing I'll say because I know Anthony's tired I've been saying it before I'll say it again like if you want to go to war against what's going on in a you know good sense a, a Catholic sense of the term pick up your rosary be praying 15 decades a day if you're able to. Right, yeah. make little sacrifices, study the faith, go to the TLM, read and this, read that exactly. Come to my show because I'm going to be covering a. a when are you TLM. starting that? It's coming out this next week, so it should be Monday. Coming you don't out. do those live though, right? You pre-record them. A lot of them I pre-record because I'm. I have not mastered live streams. You guys are. You guys are way better. And uh, that's a good thing because Anthony would be in your comments trying to get you to crack. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I'll if you want to eventually, if you want to do a live stream, I I would say uh, have someone on for the live stream. It makes it much less nerve wracking. That's true. I feel like live streaming and just talking to myself and doing a presentation. You know, you know what you could do, Nick. Do one episode where you present however much you get through. Then after that, do a live stream where you take people's questions on that issue. That's a um, good idea. On, on that segment. That's a fair. That's a fair point. It's a yeah. good way to get get used to it. Yeah, that's a fair point. Um, hi, Cole. No, 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 no. Hi. What's the matter? Oh, I'll, I'll fix it for you. All right. I got to go rent a movie for everybody. Nicole, come say hi with your funky hair. Nicole. <laughs> your hair looks cute, Cole. Come and say hello. Yeah, everyone get their wives. I'll sit here with my, my wife right here. You know, your banjo's on the other side. Oh, you're right. My bad. <laughs> She wants to my, my other wife. I, I've converted to Islam. Nicole, come say hello. 
Come on, everybody wants to meet you. That banjo's probably older than me. Never mind. I actually have no clue how old this is. Probably not that old. I was going to say older than many wives in Islam. (laughs) (laughs) We could have we could have saved the world by going to seventh century Arabia and playing playing Muhammad an old bluegrass tune, gospel tune. We could have converted him right there on the spot, and uh, nothing. Or just burnt him like a heretic. (laughs) That could have worked too. So, (laughs) worst comes to show. Oh God, I'm going to have Hamas after me for that. I didn't even hear your jokes. I was responding to your text. Um, I don't even know what you said. It's uh, probably you, a good thing. Do you guys want to continue on? I could. I could just. Uh, it's been a long week. <laughs> we we only have four minutes left on locals, anyways. All right, all right. This is uh, this is a fun one. I'm gonna I'm gonna get in a coma one night. We, you know what? We really should get back to with uh, Art and Lorraine. Yeah, with Nicole and Hope, and we talk about like our kids and their temperaments. That would be a good one. Maybe because we'll, their books are such an easy read. Maybe I'll read another one of their books. Oh, or we that- have them on with Nick, and t- they can tell them how to find a wife with a good temperament. I'd I'd be down. I mean, I have two or three prospects lined up already, but I'll take. Oh, look at this you. guy! He's got three prospects lined up. Went from nothing to three. <laughs> uh, well, okay. I actually I just don't talk about my dating life very oh, yeah, yeah. commonly, but but it's like I will say this because maybe this would be worth a, a video one day. Like most guys in the dating life are absolutely cringe, yeah, and I I think I think the moment changes for dudes when you stop looking for a girlfriend, you start looking for a wife. Because like if you're a virtuous man, you'll be in the problem, which I am, where it's like I've in the last year I've had to turn down three or four people who've come up to me. They can't keep these off them. (laughs) (laughs) And so it's just it's just like I mean, but most Catholic dudes, they act like a lot of the incel crowd and the like the red pill world where they're just like, no girl likes me. I just hate women. And I'm like, well, they don't like you because you don't have a job and no personality. So you don't have to offer way greater than Nick Fuentes. Oh, 100%. Yeah, I told you last time. You you have to act like you. I mean, if you had any idea the valuable asset you are, that's all you have to do. Is You're a high you value that, man, Nick. You are a high, high value, value man. All right, guys, I'm ready to crash. Guys, please go support our locals. Please hit like, subscribe. We will be back on Tuesday with Daniel O'Connor, Thursday with Nancy Charles, Saturday with Mark Lambert. And then next week with um, Taylor Marshall. The week after. Yeah, the following week after next. So Mark Lambert writes for the Catholic Herald. He is Gavin Ashenden's co-host. I love Mark Lambert. He's a good dude. I can't I wait wanna, to talk to him. I want to know if he's got a better take on the Middle East than Gavin. Yeah. Not a fan of Gavin's take on that, but still love boomer, Gavin. Dude. I love Gavin, too. He's just a boomer, dude. You know. What a name, Gavin. <laughs> the boomers love love their uh <laughs> love their Israel, man. <laughs> you know, I can forgive it because the dude made out with a KGB officer to make him look gay, so that's okay. <laughs> but even, even the other thing is like you can have a different opinion than somebody. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, like something like that's not gonna affect the way I my my respect for him and things like that. I don't care if somebody has a different opinion than me. Most people have different opinions than me. My a lot of my opinions are terrible. Hundred <laughs> percent agree with that. All right, guys, I'm okay. done. Let's wrap it. Have a, uh, let me play a video, I guess. I'm not gay no more. I am.
<laughs> play Whoopi again. <laughs> no, never. 